everyone, welcome to Bridgerton Fancast. We're a fan-made podcast about the Netflix show Bridgerton. I'm Michelle. I live in the States. You can find me at Musings on Instagram and Twitter, and I have not read the Bridgerton books. And I'm Rita. I live in England, and I'm at Annoying Rita on Instagram and Twitter, and I'm the book reader. And welcome to Inboxathon. Yes, I finally came up with a name. It's not my best work. Just go with it. <laughs> Over the course of the season, we have been really blown away by everyone's emails. They have been funny. They have been insightful. And most of all, they have been long. You guys are <laughs> our people. Uh, so we are giving you the floor for this week and hearing what you thought of season two. Uh, but before we begin, I thought we should maybe talk about the schedule of the next few podcasts because it has become abundantly clear that you guys are not listening after we say we're wrapping up. <laughs> I want to avoid a bunch of angry DMs going, where's the podcast? Okay, so uh, our next podcast is going to be our book club episode. We're going to be reading and then talking about The Viscount Who Loved Me. And this isn't just for diehard book fans. I really want to emphasize this. I want to make sure it's super inclusive for newbies. Michelle mm -hmm. will be a first-time reader as well. So we want everyone to join us and tell us what your impressions are reading it. Um, the good news is for everyone that you have a little time to do that reading. I'm going to be flying home to Portugal to visit my family for the first time since covid Yay! I've mm -hmm. cancelled four trips. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, I won't be able to record for the next two weeks because my 96-year-old grandma, unsurprisingly, is not yet on the line. Direct quote. <laughs> that's what she calls it. Uh, so while we are on the our two-week break, please take this time to read the book as many times as you like. I personally <laughs> will be reading it every day. Uh, and really bask in that Canthony glow, uh, our mm. book club episode should go up on the 14th of June. And if it's not up, please then come yell at me. Yes. Uh, but anyway, let's dive into the inboxathon. I wish I could have left some of these unedited like I promised, but we were overwhelmed by the sheer <laughs> numbers. <laughs> can be found in our inbox. Uh, and I wanted to make sure that everyone got their little moment in the sun without it being another three-hour recording session. We have <sighs> lives, people. Um, <laughs> and also, girl, Robin from Australia. Girl. Girl. <laughs> We're saving your essay for our season two roundup podcast, everyone. Yes. Get excited for that. She sent in a whole last <laughs> essay with charts. Yes. Plural. Charts. Mm -hmm. charts uh, that I'm obsessed with, uh, but I need some time to, like, read them all in detail. Um, so we're going to save that data set for the, our Season 2 Roundup podcast. Anywho, let's start. We have 30 pages. <laughs> As I am want to say around here, buckle up. It's going to be a long one. Hi, Rita and Michelle. Season two posts kept popping onto my timeline, and in one episode Kelly of Kelly Clarkson's show, she did a summary of it. I was skeptical for a month after its release, even though it features Indians. But Hollywood has botched Indian representation several times, and I didn't know if I was ready to see one more. 
One of the posts described the performances in an interesting way, and I started to look at behind the scenes. I really don't mind a spoiler. I need to know if I can invest my mind and time on this narrative. I don't remember what steered me to view the show, but I'm glad I found my way. At this time, I had not seen season one, had only heard about it in snippets and small scenes which popped on my feed. I watched season two without watching season one, of course. I went through the season one recap on Netflix. I am low-key obsessed with season two now. I like this kind of romance narrative. Felt like it was earned, not something like, oh, you are perfect and let's get together. And which keeps on explaining stuff like we are three years old. <laughs> right there with you. Um, about the performances. Oh my God, Jonathan Bailey and Simone Ashley just hit it out of the park like nobody's business. I wish we had got more scenes out of them. Honestly, I could care less about people complaining that the nicknames and traditions were mashed up. I've traveled a lot around a lot because of my father's job, and even though I am a South Indian, I call my older sister Didi, which is more common in the northern part of India instead of Akka, South Indian. My younger cousins shift from Didi to Akka to Didi based on their liking. The part about traditions, Haldi ceremony is being adapted exclusively across India, even though it was not a common sight in some states. Applying Mendi on hands is not common in the South, but no wedding is complete without that now. Traditions shift and get adapted. I can live with the mashup Bridgerton did. It is not unheard of in India itself. Having Simone on be on screen, somebody who looks like me, I am blown away. There are a few instances where I could relate to her character Kate so, so much. When Eloise asks about her decision to be unmarried, the words that were spoken, I'm so grateful to the writers for writing this. I am 40 plus and never married. I know how it feels to just exist in your achievements rendered non-existent because of that one thing. The scene where Edmund dies, I was there when my father passed, and the first thing I did was call my friend and ask how I am going to tell mom that dad is not coming back. I barely got the chance to grieve as I had to be there for other family members. I still break into tears because I have held it for so long. It was 15 years ago, and I am sorry, I started crying again. The way Violet describes it, I felt every word of it. The way Anthony behaves sometimes, I felt it. Thank you. Reka for Bangalore, India. Oh, thank you for that. God. That was Where my Where's my tissues? <laughs> oh, jeez. Okay. Um, next one said, hi, Rita and Michelle. Uh, the whole season two has over me is unreal. Can you please have a moment of appreciation for all the lingering looks, purposeful jaw clenches, and impassioned breathing? <sighs> Never in my life did I think I would swoon over a simple gaze, let alone a wistful sigh, but here I am. Jonathan and Simone should win all the awards for their non-verbals alone. The way they communicate the complexities of their anguish and desires without even saying a word is just chef's kiss. The chemistry sizzles through the screen and leaves me smoldering every time I watch. Pretty sure my TV was damn near on fire at times. 
I've seen people comment that they have no chemistry and those people cannot be watching the same show. If they are, they need to get their heads checked because Jonathan and Simone have the best chemistry I've ever seen. Hand down, period, end of story. Just needed to share that. Thanks for all that you do. Can't wait to hear what you think about the season final. It's so good. Pam from Alkanawawak. <laughs> Alkanawawak. <laughs> Wisconsin. Alkanawawak. Hey, and we we practiced this before we got started. Okanamawak? Okanamawak. 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 Okay, sorry. Okanamawak. Indigenous communities everywhere cringing. I'm I'm sorry. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Um, Hey, Rita and Michelle. I do commend you on your self-control. I binged watched all the episodes from about 8.30 p.m. the night they were released. Note, I have had to rewatch the series. Like Rita, I have read the books, although I first read them 20-odd years ago. And like Rita, Francesca's story is my favorite. Hello! Hi. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Most of my friends are like Michelle and came to the series having not read the books. I do miss being able to compare and contrast book versus TV series with them, but your podcast helps alleviate that. I thoroughly agree that the reoccurring themes throughout the TV series and the books are uh, identity and place in the world, and this seems to build as the series progresses. Self-discovery and self-knowledge are particularly prominent in season two. In terms of wig talk, I agree that Niccolo Coughlin... Coughlin? Coughlin. Oh, whoops. <laughs> uh, Nicola Coughlin, Penelope, has had some wig outs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I feel there has been a, de- a distinct tonal softening of her wigs and her clothes in these last episodes as her confidence grows. I mean, yeah, I, I could make an Instagram post about how much her hair changed just this season. <laughs> Yeah, um, let's see. May I contribute some thoughts about the direction of season three without spoilers? Please do. Of course. Uh, My take on the TV series versus the book is the TV series takes the main plot lines and characters from the book and then uses them as a kind of crinoline beneath a dress. The book dress and the TV dress are unique, but the same structure sits underneath. I appreciate the beauty in both. But I have also found some TV series storylines frustrating, almost like padding. I keep wondering, when will they get to insert storyline from the book? Um, I will try to be very careful and avoid any spoilers here, but to pick up on your discussion on the direction of season three, my speculation is they will uh, they will address the setup of, of, of Francesca's story. We can only hope. You wondered... <laughs> yeah, you wondered as to how they might draw out the Colin Penelope storyline, I think that's how they'll do it. Surely it has to be Benedict with a minor Francesca storyline and the Shondaland story threads. Each season so far starts with the Bridgerton sister making their debut, and whilst I can't remember the timeline or age gap between Eloise and Francesca, an exploration of her debut and the very important backstory before when he was wicked, is feasible. Surely they have to give Francesca something to do. Mary Kay from Perth, Australia. Um, so in terms of 
the ages. Eloise and Francesca are about 18 months apart. Technically, Fra- Francesca oh. should have been out this season. But Eloise's, I don't know what to call that. Her coming out was this year, so technically, I don't know. Like, okay, here's the thing. Daphne's debut was delayed a year she was 18 in the first season when she should have been out the year before. Eloise's was also delayed by a year, so maybe they're making Francesca also wait another year longer? Like, I don't really get it. Uh, well, who knows? But, uh, you know, that might, it might, you know, it makes sense now that they've recast the actress uh, playing Francesca um, to ensure that, that she's going to be available. Um, but, uh, but anyway, um, Thank you for that intriguing note. I, it, it's kind of making me want to read Francesca's book, but I think uh, I think Rita would have my head if I did that. No, so, you're not allowed to look uh, at it. Don't even like. I, no, fine. <laughs> not even gonna look at it. No, nope. it does not exist. La 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 la. <laughs> uh, the next email said, "Hello, Michelle and Rita. I'm such a big fan of your podcast. This is my first time actually reaching out to anyone. So please know how fun and talented you both are that I actually made a point to send this. <laughs> Thank you. Um, they continued. I want to live in Kate and Anthony's love bubble. I'd love to see how the siblings <laughs> react to how happy Anthony is now that Kate has broken down his walls. How much will his personality <laughs> change now that he can let go? Uh, a lot of what held him back before. I'd also love Ooh. to see how Kate will adjust to her new role as Viscountess. Will she clash with Violet at all? Will Violet take her under her wing? How will her relationship, uh, relationship be with each sibling individually and collectively? I'd love to see Lady Danbury be a prominent figure for Kate if Lady Mary is not around. They had some great scenes together. Mm-hmm. Uh, not sure if Edwina will be back, but love to see her approach her next marriage March season with her newfound sense of self, since we saw so little of her potential as a character until the very end of the season. It would be great to see her with the prince, but if not, someone is equally adorable. Mm-hmm. I hope that she will have a story arc, and we would love to see Kate and Edwina develop a new sisterly relationship now that Kate doesn't need to fill that guardian role, and Edwina accepts her brother-in-law mm-hmm. um since kate is an unconventional female character she's witty sharp athletic etc i'd love to see her help anthony with his viscount duties no doubt that she is more than capable of balancing books and making decisions i just hope they highlight her as a true partner for him in all shapes and forms also in the book that married men avoid spending time with their wives but anthony actually wanted to spend time with his wife so why not work together Yes. I would love to see Kate uh, <laughs> approach land management <laughs> and crop rotation. <laughs> Thrilling! They <laughs> um, continued. Cullen and Penelope look likely to be the next romantic focus. I would love to see a love interest for Penelope that sends Colin into a tailspin. She deserves <laughs> to have the spotlight on her for once and Colin is so dense he needs something to wake his ass up. I hope they give her a glow up too with some new non-yellow outfits and a new hairdo. She's so stunning in real life and they really don't do her justice on the show. Hoping they give him more leading man moments so he gets his chance to shine. Also, I hope he never mentions Grease again. <laughs> Thank you. Thank I, you. Grease is great. I don't think Colin is doing it justice. Like he's made everyone <laughs> hate it. 
<laughs> Justice for Francesca. Will she ever have a more significant plotline? Her book and love interest are so hot, but it's mm. also very isolating because she's away from London and her family for most of it. I hope they give the actress a chance to breathe new life into her character. Mm. I love Benedict so much. Fingers crossed he has more than just the snarky jokes and comments. He is great at it, and I love him for it, but it's making him pretty one-dimensional. Mm-hmm. Hoping they have the masquerade ball so we can be introduced to Redacted and they can flesh out Benedict more. (laughs) Everyone! Guys! Spoilers! Anyway. I had a hard time cheering for Eloise in season two. She became so one note with her disdain for society, but she never actually did anything but complain. She left her own brother's wedding. Exclamation, exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point. It made mm-hmm. her seem selfish and hard to like. Not sure if they will start her arc with her love interest as well, because so many stories overlap in the next books. But we'd love to see it as well. I have a hard time seeing her with Theo because they look like siblings to me. <laughs> but if they introduce Redacted for her, that would mean having to explain what happens with Redacted. <laughs> oh, 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 goodness. Oh, this is making me want to read the books. You cannot. I know. <laughs> Like, you can't actually even go near the book because it will say on the book, like, who they end up with. So don't even pick up the book in, like, Walmart or wherever you shop, okay? Because, like... I, I promise I won't. It kind of annoyed me that they did, like, Colin and Penelope's book. I was like, spoilers! But anyway. Um, I love how the creators brought in South Asian elements to the show without hitting you over the head with them. It felt seamless and special to watch and made me feel connected being South Asian myself. I truly hope they will continue to do that with Kate moving forward, where it would fit or incorporate the cultural elements for other love interests, depending on who gets cast. Mm. So beautiful to see representation in a period piece. And this is from Tracy. Thank Thanks, you, Tracy. Tracy. <laughs> well, look forward to an all-white season next year. Jeez. Oh, they, they got to spice it up somehow. Uh, hi! I just want to say that I really enjoy your podcasts. I have been a Bridgerton stan since season one came out in that dreary year that was 2020. It was just the perfect escape that we all needed. I have since read the first four books in the series, and The Viscount Who Loved Me is my favorite of the series so far. Sorry, Rita, I have not yet read your favorite Bridgerton's novel, and honestly, I'm not sure I'm not sure I want to until her season is done. I'm fearful of disappointment. I would yes, encourage you not to do it until after it's aired, because the disappointment might be real. <laughs> yeah. Oh dear. God. I'm having pole dark flashbacks. Um anyway. <laughs> um Anyway, you asked that those of Indian heritage write in, and while I am American born, I am of South Asian descent. My parents were both born and raised in Bombay, Mumbai. The addition of the Sharma sisters to the Bridgerton landscape has been such a delight to see for a brown girl like me. Watching Kate put oil in her little sister's hair in episode three, Kate making her chai, the Haldi ceremony were all a delight to watch. There were even a few Bollywood references made. The scene with the bangles where Edwina says they look better belong to Kate 
is reminiscent of a scene from a Bollywood film involving another very messy love triangle. Overall, I think this show has done a good job of representing Indian culture. There have been discussions on how there have been references to both North and South Indian cultures, but I had no issues with it. I just loved Simone Ashley's performance as Kate, and I'm super excited that she is here to stay, at least for the near future. My only gripe with this season is not getting enough Canthony, lol. Uh, Simone and Jonathan are fire. Their chemistry is far superior to that of Simon and Daphne. Don't get me wrong, I love the Duke, but that relationship really didn't excite me the way Kate and Anthony do. Daphne was a girl with a man. Kate is a woman and Anthony and and is Anthony's equal in almost every way. Annie from Arizona. Thank you, Annie. Thanks, Annie. Hello, Rita and Michelle. My name is Nicole and I'm one of those people who you see watching your Instagram stories and liking your posts but never emailing you. Love emoji. <laughs> Oh, this was after I asked people to send in why they liked Eloise and Theo. So uh, she said, In terms of Eloise and Theo, I love this character arc for Eloise. So far, we've seen her completely reject the idea of love because she thinks it means she'll be trapped in the society she so hates. But with Theo, she's realizing that she can have these feelings for someone else and still feel like an individual and like herself. She hasn't had to give anything up for Theo. I mean, I have some question marks about that. Like, what about Uh her status? (laughs) Uh Um, In fact, she's expanded her feminism. So while we now know she doesn't end up with him, I think this arc provides important growth. It's beginning to open her up to the possibility of love without having to sacrifice who she is. Please note, I also haven't read the book, so I don't have any allegiances to her future husband's crying emoji. (laughs) Thanks for being so <laughs> wonderful, Rita and Michelle. Heart oh, emoji. Thank, thank you. you. I definitely see where you're coming from because I think it was um, part of why they did it was to show, hey, everyone, Eloise is capable of love, which is not something I ever <laughs> had any doubts about, by the way. It was, she was a teenage girl. <laughs> like, yeah. She was obviously yeah. reacting to um, society's expectations and that's why she was saying, I don't want to get married. Hi, Rita and Michelle. We finally finished Bridgerton last Friday. I have since binged just about everything I could find on this subject. I've been listening to a podcast review of the series, and they didn't like it quite at all. My partner recommending that I find somebody else's, and after a bit of searching, I discovered yours. It has brought me life. (laughs) I sped my way through your season one recaps, but you haven't finished season two yet. So I'm so now I'm rewatching season one with your commentary, and it's just as absolutely wonderful as I had imagined it to be. If I make a recommendation when you go to season two, dear God, please do a season two commentary. Would you maybe say and play now or something so we all know exactly when to hit play to sync everything up? Thank you, thank you, thank you for these podcasts. I can't say it enough. Thank you. Allison from Brooklyn, Brooklyn, New York. Brooklyn. <laughs> Brooklyn, New York. That famous TV show, Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Um, yes. Thank you for <laughs> the suggestion, Allison. I always say in, yeah. the, in the show notes that you have to press play immediately, but um, as yeah. evidence, nobody reads the show notes. So I will <laughs> now be adding a countdown uh, before um awesome so yeah thanks for the suggestion 
Uh, next email said, Michelle and Rita, thank you for all the hard work bringing us your wonderful podcasts. I could take another eight episodes worth of thoughts and squeals and groans and delightfulness. You remind <laughs> us that there's value in letting each episode sink in and find angles you often don't have time to consider when binging. You both have given me a greater appreciation for British historical dramas. I always learn something during your podcast because of the details and care you add to your analysis. And I can't stop staring at people's wigs now. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. Wig talk. I know it's a little corny, but the multiracial fantasy of Bridgerton has been my entry point to the genre as a person of colour. And the way the show brought in Shades of Bollywood, which I love, played a big part in how much I enjoyed this season too. Now I'm more interested in going down the rabbit hole. I need to dive into Poldark so I can watch alongside your commentary. <laughs> oh, girl. <laughs> I'm not sure oh you should. Oh, my. Uh, Ooh. Uh, maybe, uh, hmm. Like, season one, I would be fine. I, season one was awesome. Season two was good. Season Season two was good. Season three made me want to claw my eyeballs out of my eye head and, like, give them away. Yeah, yeah, but um, if you wanted to do a season of of watching and commentary, uh, season one absolutely. Yeah, watch everyone watch season one and then maybe stop. Season <laughs> then maybe stop. Yeah, season season one is just absolutely blessed. Oh, I would take gosh. another season's worth of your podcast just on the perfection of Kate and Anthony. I feel like we have maybe so we. like 12 more hours in us. Uh, now, oh, yeah. now about the actual show. I'm really impressed with season two. More so because I didn't care for season one at all beyond the supporting characters. And I was skeptical of a season of Anthony since I thought he kind of sucked. But that's what makes this season brilliant. The depth of character given to Anthony and the powerhouse of the Sharma sisters, especially Kate, all brilliantly acted. I know there were complaints about not enough sex, but I'll take a rich, well-executed slow burn with a well-earned ending any day of the week. Um, My season two greatest hits and misses for your entertainment, and I can't wait to hear yours. Okay, (laughs) most underrated character. Hers was Alice Mondrich. It's a good thing she's not around a lot because she has too much sense for the rest of the town. <laughs> okay, Michelle. Truth. Michelle, who's your most underrated character? I think Alice Mondrich is a great choice. Um, I would, I, I would say Newton. Newton. Is Newton! he underrated? Newton. No, he doesn't really fly under the radar, does he? Um, mine would be Varley. I just love that actress. And oh my God, Varley, she's. She's so delightful. <laughs> I love her. Uh, okay. Oh, gosh. Most overrated okay. character, Violet Bridgerton. She means well, but she's really inconsistent and gets in the way of stuff. I often find her annoying. <laughs> I would agree with this. <laughs> Violet, like, Violet, like, she's very realistic. But God, I want to smack her <laughs> most of the season. I was just like, do something, Violet! Um... I guess my pick, my pick is obviously Eloise because she annoys the ever-living shit out of me. Um, <laughs> Michelle, <laughs> overrated character. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I would go to with Eloise. Although there, I did have, um, I, I, and this is going to get me cancelled. Um, the, the Duke was swimming around my head. That's not going to get you cancelled with me, but um, okay, best nun Queen Charlotte wig. Uh, she said, I love staring into the bizarre... Pan, panopticon. Panopt- I, God, I love that Panopticon. 
It's two. It's it's five a.m. Why am I saying Panopticon? Anyway, <laughs> Panopticon of Cressida Cowper's wigs. Oh, I mean, Cressida's hair makes me scared. It makes me feel sorry for whoever's having to do that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, because that's that's some work. Um, but uh, but when you think about it uh, that way, you know, somebody had to create those things uh, for the show. And, you know, the, the person that was responsible for putting all of those wigs together really uh, deserves a uh, round of applause just for how crazy they My are. My choice would definitely be um, Lady Danbury, because when you realize that Adjua has no hair, like, what are they clipping that shit onto? <laughs> um, it's pretty impressive. Ooh, wig glue, baby. Lots and lots of I know, wig but glue. It looks like pretty seamless with, I know the hairline is terrible, but like, you know when she yeah, like yeah. wiggles her, her her eyebrows? Like, it, it, yes. it just, I don't know how she's doing that. Anyway, um, oh, worst gosh. wig slash hair, most of Penelope's wigs, I do not know, or like whatever is happening with Kate's hair in the closing scene. Um, <laughs> yeah, Penelope's was the worst. It's a yeah. Her her wigs just make me want to. Eloise is a pretty bad um, as well. It always looks like it's slightly askew, which annoys me. <laughs> um, MVP Adua Andua as Lady Danbury, just a delight in every scene. I mean, I would agree with that. Um, so good, horniest so moment. Good. Um, for Anthony when he tells Kate, "Say you do not care for me." And her eyes drift close as she leans into him. And for Kate, having Anthony on his Fuck. knees for her in the gazebo. Um, my choice would my choice um, would be lilies. <laughs> Just lilies. Lilies, yes, lilies. Oh God! And the 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 way he breathes her in as she's walking That's so by. horny. <laughs> okay, missed opportunity. Mary Sharma, her redaction to Kate. Re- rededication to Kate was too little, too late for my tastes. I love that actress. I, I mean, I, I mean, I, I understand why they did it, but you know, it seemed, it seemed a little too pat. Yeah, it was a bit, bit heavy-handed yeah. as well. She can be there uh, mm-hmm. in person and be gone mentally. She doesn't need to actually not be in attendance for most of the season. Like, come on, people. Right. I think for me, missed opportunity right. will always be Giles. They had Giles, and they barely used Giles. Oh my god! They just—it was like they just said, "Here are three lines." Why? Say why them and go. Hire Giles if you're I mean, not going to use him. Anyway, um, most painful moment: Kate having to take Edwina's gloves as Anthony proposed. I thought Anthony wouldn't be able to come back from that. Oh god! Thanks for reminding me <laughs> that. <laughs> I actually yeah. think the yeah. scene at the end of the next episode is worse when Kate is like, you have to marry my sister. And Anthony looks like he's about to cry <laughs> like that. That's worse yes. for me. Oh, God. Oh, God. Sweetest moment. Yeah. Uh, the country dance of the Harmony Ball. Yep. Agree. Do over. I hated that most of the back half of the season, Kate had no one in her corner it would have been interesting for Daphne to have discovered Kate in that closet at the wedding and then brought Anthony to... I mm. would love to have seen Daphne and Kate interact more. That would have been... That would have been fantastic. Because that really would have worked well with the the way the the story arc was going. 
Um, yeah, but then we wouldn't have got that funny moment where Anthony follows her. <laughs> when he just like he sees her and he's and she's trying to get away and he's like, "I'm fucking following you, Kate. <laughs> I, you're not getting out of my hands now." And she's and she's like, "This is my this is my space. This is my space. Go away." Um, but uh, no, yeah, we need we need more Daphne and uh, Kate action. I think that they're, they're going to have a delightful friendship. Okay, biggest plot hole, how Kate got home after she and Anthony got in the garden. Oh, so many. Yep. Uh, biggest forgiveness. I know a lot of people don't care for the wedding episode, and it was probably the weakest, but I did appreciate it as part of the whole story. The Bollywood of it all won me over, and it had some truly lovely moments, including the Daphne and Anthony scene, the K3G song in the Holdy scene, Anthony helping Kate with the bangles, so Bollywood, the way the shamas ran from the altar, and not so much the kiss at the end, but the way they both took each other's hands so surely afterwards, it makes up for the what-the-fuckness of it for me. <laughs> Again, the problem with that episode is not what was happening. It was the way it was stretched out for yeah. 70 minutes. Oh. Yeah, that uh, was painful. Funniest moment, anything with the freeloading cake-loving dude who is <laughs> clearly <laughs> bad at both ring-sizing and jewelry appraising. <laughs> Yeah, Prudence, yes. Prudence Featherington is a runner-up. Look at me! <laughs> here, here, Prudence Featherington. Oh God, you know that actress had to have had so much fun playing that part. God, I want a whole spin-off <laughs> of her just trying to become singer. Um, most expendable storyline. A lot of the Eloise and Penelope stuff was boring, but it had a plot purpose. The Colin and Marina diversion was silly, but. Also kind of funny to me. So I think the Benedict side story, sadly, didn't have much of a purpose. Agreed. Uh, Where the uh, fuck did that yeah. go? Why, why did we spend time yeah. with that? Um, yeah. Best Kate and Anthony scene, the dancers. I mean, mm. I like when they fall in the mud together. I watched that like 70 mm-hmm. billion times. Like I could watch that forever. Mm-hmm. Um, oh my god, that is so much fun. And the horse racing. You can't get, I mean, come on. Mm-hmm. The horse racing. I mean, the, the, the first the first horse race where you see her do the big smile and a giggle. Yes. <laughs> I mean, it was just like, yes, I'm having fun. Kate giggling <laughs> and then Anthony smiling. Mm-hmm. It's just like, that's, yes. that's so wholesome. Um <laughs> Finished with uh, my favourite moment, Anthony referring to Kate as Katani Sharma. Um, and favourite mm. minor character I'd most like to see back, always Madame Delacroix. Sincerely, Evie Washington, D.C. Aw, thanks, Evie. Hello, ladies. Love your podcast. I couldn't resist, though, in sending you my random thoughts on this season. In season one, episode seven, Oceans Apart, Violet tells Eloise, if you... Don't feel truly ready. I shall not ask you to play pretend. Perhaps I have been rushing you. We need not hasten your coming out before you feel prepared. Why? Why is Eloise making her debut in season two? She's clearly not ready. She's already had one season of not being out even though she was supposed to. What are you going to do? Delay it? Like, forever? (laughs) Anyhow, she continues... I think Violet is shirking her motherly duties because she is trying to respect Anthony as the vice count or as the viscount and the head of 
and head of the family. She only, she really only seems to step up when Antity is acting more irrational than usual. She truly does love her family and is struggling to know when to speak up. What do you think? This is also evident in her respect for the new Viscountess, as she made a point of pointing out that the new Viscountess would be in charge of the children and family. Rita, I would love for the right... Oh, go ahead. Let's see. Um, Rita, I would love for the writers to somehow incorporate the Smith Smith, Smith musical. Yes. Michelle, that's a spin-off from the Bridgerton series that you should absolutely read. No spoilers, but they're real funny. They're really funny. And they're mentioned briefly in the second book. So when you see the Smythe Smith musical mentioned, get excited. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. Let's see. I do not understand why Edwina is introduced as Miss Edwina Sharma and is referred to, to as such throughout the season. And yet Kate is always Miss Sharma. Is this to subvert Kate's feelings? It certainly doesn't help Kate's self-esteem. No, this is just a naming custom of the time, actually. Um, the eldest, a married daughter, was always called, like, Miss Blah. And, and the younger daughters would be like, Miss Michelle Blah, etc., etc. Um, so next season, watch out for Eloise being referred to as Miss Bridgerton and Francesca will be Miss Francesca Bridgerton. It's just a thing. I don't know why. Someone write in and explain it to me. But it always happens. Let's see. In regards to the feel of the paper, you mentioned recognizing a watermark would make more sense. How many people in the Netflix Shondaland targeted demographic know what a watermark is? Oh. Oh, shade. Ouch. <laughs> that is some serious shade. Um, I think... That is why the writer settled on the feel of the paper. Oh, um, God, I have <laughs> I have more respect for the viewers than you, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> oh, let's see. Finally, I think the reason for the Eloise Theo storyline is to show Eloise's sexual awakening and that she does actually care about her new place in society, which leads me to believe that she won't be as panicky in future episodes and will be less derisive of society in general. I do not how that yeah, hypes. If, if she gets a chance to, because she keeps running around and doing things that are going to get her thrown into more and more scandal. Don't but... worry, there's never any consequences for Eloise or for anything she does. Uh, what a charmed life you lead. Uh, let's see. Thanks for all the hard work, ladies. Love your podcast. Oh, before I forget... Given that you live on different continents, I am really interested to know, uh, interested in how you two ladies met and why did you decide to start your podcasts from Audrey? Ah, well, well, that's a tale. That's a Tumblr tale. <laughs> Can you remember Tumblr? Remember when people used to be on oh Tumblr? Oh my God. What a time. Oh, everything. Yeah, it was like we lived on Tumblr back then. Now um, I have deleted mine. Um... <laughs> Yeah, oh God. Um, uh, let's see. I think um, uh, we met. Um, gosh, was it twenty sixteen? Yeah, it was just before season. Yeah, two came out, wasn't it? See, yeah, just right before season two of Poldark came out, and um, I had been writing um, fanfic for Poldark uh, for uh, quite some time. Um, uh, ridiculous amounts of it by, by I loved your fanfics um, by the way have I ever said 
you were like the only one producing fanfic at certain points so you i was like oh my god she's updated thank god i need content <laughs> oh gosh um but uh, i was writing a bunch of fanfic and uh rita posted that she was wanting to start a poldark uh podcast and uh asked if anybody was interested to to send her a uh, dm and so i said yeah that sounds like fun thinking that it was only going to be like one episode <laughs> i thought that she was just looking to invite people to be on for like an episode um here we are seven years later or something <laughs> <laughs> But uh, we started off with another partner, uh, Delanda, um, who has since uh, <laughs> moved on. Like a noble person. Her <laughs> yes. Uh, uh, and uh, has gotten advanced degrees and has moved on living her life. Um, but we miss her. Um, I accidentally but, called her the other you know. day, actually. <laughs> 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 I was like, sorry. <laughs> But dialed you. She seems happy. Love her. Uh, oh, good. Yeah. Miss you, Delanda. You're but, but totally yeah. not listening to this yes. because you have a normal life. <laughs> oh. uh, so, yeah, that, that's how we met. Okay. Blame it all on Poldark. Damn you, Poldark. <laughs> but also, yay. <laughs> yay for Poldark, yes. Hey, ladies. Love the podcast. The two of you crack me up, and I have to admit to re-listening to many of your episodes. I'm sorry for this long email, but I have thoughts to share. Um, I loved the romance in season two. I'm a Canthony stan, and Bridgerton's biggest crime was not giving us nearly enough happy Canthony. Where's our yes. wedding? Yes! Also, do you find it interesting that in both seasons of Bridgerton so far, only the male characters get flashbacks and extensive backstory? I felt there was such a disservice to Kate's character. Why didn't we delve into how her father or mother died? I have questions. Why didn't we get flashbacks to her life in India? Probably because they don't have the budget. <laughs> Can you imagine? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Seriously. It was extra disappointing because as a dark-skinned woman of colour and an elder sister, I related to Kate so much. I was beyond excited when Simone Ashley was cast as the lead, only for them to give her less and less as the season went on. Now, here's my unpopular opinion. Brace yourselves, everyone. I find both Eloise and Penelope kind of insufferable. <laughs> <laughs> this this is fairly, you know, this is fair. This is, yeah, that's fair. Um, yeah. On Eloise, I won't roast her too much. Think you guys have that covered. Ha ha ha. You know your audience. Um, I actually found Eloise more insufferable in season one. Her attitude slash motives were more confused to, confusing to me then. She was incredibly rude towards Daphne because her sister wanted marriage and children, something that every woman in that period strived for and had no choice but to strive for. Also, at the time, mm -hmm. Eloise's hunt for Lady Whistledown was pointless. I preferred them giving her a personal motive this season. Okay, but that only happened in the last, like, episode. <laughs> the One yeah. episode. The rest of it was weird. Anyway, uh, now I'll reluctantly give Eloise some credit. She has been called out several times on her privilege by Daphne, Penn, and Theo. Has she learned, though? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no. She did apologise to Daphne at the end of the first season, which was nice. But any more growth beyond that is asking for too much, isn't it? I mean, we can only hope that at some point she learns something eventually uh-huh uh i would hope now so now for penelope i'm sorry but fans of penelope seem to have amnesia when it comes to what she did to marina 
This is, and will always be, Penelope's biggest crime in my eyes. People often say, all Penn does is expose the rich and privileged. I'm sorry, Marina was a farm girl. Uh, okay, so I have to interject now and correct this because I've seen a lot of people say this. Marina's not a farm girl. <laughs> I don't know what everyone's talking about. She had a four-figure dowry. She's in the 1%. She's a gentleman's daughter. I know Portia shades the shit out of her from being from the country, but that doesn't mean shit. That's just Portia being Portia. She's able to move around the ton and, for all intents and purposes, is, like, better off financially than Penelope now, who has no dowry to speak of and has been involved in, like, 17 scandals. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I think, I think you know, when you hear people saying, well, they're from the country. Well, think about Aubrey Hall. That's in the country. That's what we're talking about here. It's not like... She was toiling away on the farm, like, <laughs> you know, exactly. It's like, no, no, she had a pretty decent life. And the only reason that she wound up in London uh, with the Featheringtons was because um, dude, uh, you know, the old Lord Featherington owed him money, her dad money. That's the reason why. She's not a farm girl. I'm just very... I got into uh-uh. this whole Twitter argument with somebody months ago who would not believe me when I was like, she's rich! She has a... Th-. Like, I don't know how big her dowry is, but it's way bigger than any of the characters in Jane Austen's novel. She rich. Yeah. She rich. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, yeah. Portia... This, she, the email continues. Portia literally slapped Marina across the face and told her to swindle a man or else. I love that for Portia. Mm-hmm. Um... Yeah. Somebody needed to slap some sense into her. <laughs> I am. I believe. I advocate for slapping occasionally. You know, when you're <laughs> when you're in a complete delusional state, you need some sense knocked into you. Sometimes <laughs> I sometimes slap myself. But anyway, <laughs> I need to. And Rita gets cancelled again. <laughs> am I going to get cancelled for slapping myself? <laughs> I don't slap yeah. other people. <laughs> No. Only for Penelope to throw Marina, someone she called her friend, under the bus because of her crush on a boy who doesn't see her as a woman. Okay. We all know Penelope publicly exposed Marina because without the scandal, Colin would have been those babies' father no matter what. Insert, I'm not the stepfather, I'm the father who stepped up meme. (laughs) I hate that meme. (laughs) I hate it. Anyway, the worst part is Penelope does this all in secret so she can be... She can't be held accountable for her actions. And I still don't like the optics of a white character throwing a woman of colour to the wolves of British society. I know everybody cares about Louise and Penn mending things, but I think it should have been Penelope visiting Marina at Aubrey Hall. Okay, here's my thing about the whole Penelope-Marina dynamic. When people bring up that Marina is a biracial woman, I'm always like, okay, the optics of that in our world, terrible. Mm Mm-hmm. But within the world of Bridgerton, where race has been washed away by the magical cleansing power of love, um, <laughs> it's like, they're equals. So it's like it's, yeah. it's like she did this to another white person. Yeah. So that's really a failing of the writers, in my opinion. It's like, you can't, you can't just have people of colour in here and like have the same optics that you would want from a white person a white character a white marina like it just looks different to how it actually is in the universe 
I don't know if mm-hmm. I'm expressing this clearly. But do you know uh, what I mean? I think so. I think so. Like, there is a complete disconnect from the reality that we live in oh, abs- with theirs. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, you know, and it, I mean, it's one of the reasons why Bridgerton works so well is because it is something, <laughs> it's, it's a fantasy. You know, it's, it's something that is taking all of the ugliness of Washed away. what we had at, at that time and uh, in uh, British society at the time, and it's gone. It's just washed away. Um, so, no, I, I get what you're saying. I mean, I think that, I mean, the thing that I just keep uh, thinking about is how in the hell Penelope is going to wind up walking all of this back to the point where... It's a huge mess. Like, how is Colin ever going to be like, yes? She, yeah. How is Colin ever going to forgive her for what she has done? Not only to Marina, but to his sister Eloise, to his family, you know, his his, his brother's now wife. Uh, you know, it, it. she's got a lot to hey, answer for. Penelope didn't do anything to Kate. No, I mean, uh, about the, you know, the whole wedding fiasco and all that kind of stuff. So that's... That's what I was referring to, Um, you know. But the thing is, she didn't even write about the wedding. She was like, yeah, that happened. Oh, well, guess what, everyone? Eloise. (laughs) 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 One of the things I thought I noticed this season is that Penelope sort of rode back some of her viciousness from season Mm -hmm. one. And then she was like, no, oh, shit. Got to be really mean to Eloise now. Um, Yeah. And anyway, yeah. this is too much oh, of a mess. God. I don't know why we're fu- like you can't untangle this. It's just like yeah. everyone's horrible to each other, and the end. Because yeah. it's not like Marina's innocent in this either. It's like Eloise is terrible, Penelope is terrible, Marina tried to swindle a man. I think the only person that gets out of this scot free is Colin, and it's like mm-hmm. Colin, what are you? Yeah. What are you doing? Run far away, Colin. You don't need to be in this mess. Like. <laughs> Yeah, this is it, it. It is a big old sticky, nasty bucket of mess. Anyway, you can you can do that. Yeah, just anyway. run away, Colin. Go back to Greece. They've got good food. Yeah, there you go. uh, looking forward to married Cantonese subplot in season three. Shondaland, I have you heard me? And this is from Anne from Toronto. <laughs> oh gosh, thanks, Anne. Uh, let's see. I could not start your season two fan cast until you dropped. All of them, because I knew I'd been straight through them and would not want to wait. Oh, my God. So you actually waited until we finished the whole thing before you started watching? That's wait. No, listening to us. So they probably watched the season. Oh, okay. Okay. I was going to say, okay, your fortitude is... It's, it's rather less impressive when you, reali- you realize what yes. they did. It's like, oh, you just yes. waited to listen to us? Yeah, that, that's reasonable. Yeah. <laughs> oh, gosh. Okay. Anyway, needless to say, since the final episode went up, I have, wa- I have started and you have not let me down. With all of your comments to the Kira Knightley uh, Pride and Prejudice we need both a recap podcast and a commentary for that movie. I believe we have. Uh, yeah. A, a, a episode on Pride and Prejudice that we did during the, the COVID lockdown. Yeah. Yeah. I've got some great news <laughs> for you, friends. I will link that 
podcast in the show notes. Yes. Please, can everybody yes. actually look at the show notes? Do not DM me <laughs> looking for links to things I have put in the show notes. I swear to God, I do not have all day to reply to everyone's messages oh. because you're too lazy to look at the show notes. Hey, now, now, don't, don't be, don't be. Don't be saying things like that to our dear audience now. No, oh, no. I have to be harsh because it's ruining my day. <laughs> Please stop. Oh. <laughs> Just look at the notes, people. They're there for a reason. Oh. Don't make me cry. But uh, but but yeah, you you yeah, listen to that and uh, watch the movie and you'll understand. But I would die, and it would be the best the best thing. Yes. Bear in mind, Allison from Brooklyn, New York. I th- we recorded I think our, a commentary. I, th- I think a commentary for Pride and Prejudice. Uh, the, the, it would just be um, screaming, wouldn't it? Just be- yeah, it would be screaming and sighing and oh my godding and you it know, be aren't they beautiful? And you know, yeah, it would. Yeah, it would be ridiculous. But bear in mind, so. when we recorded that podcast, we were deep, deep in lockdown, and I. Oh yeah. I may sound unhinged now, but it was worse back then. Like, oh, if you listen to our Sanderton podcast, I was just like, like a mess for theo james because i hadn't seen a man in months it was it was it was it was dark times please please bear that in mind when you listen like the context is important Uh, rita and michelle thank you for the wonderful pod i'd love to hear your predictions on the season three cantony storyline um I, i don't know i just hope that they exist babes just like uh, yeah, I hope that they're not just throwing like little bones and you know to to pop in and make a little appearance here or there. I hope that there's something. I would love for Kate to yell at Penelope or something. <laughs> just like be like, just be like, you made Eloise cry. <laughs> um, How could you do that to Colin? Oh yeah, yeah. I mean you know stray thoughts. Uh, similar to the mm-hmm. Anthony wet shirt homage to Colin Firth. Anthony's final dance alone on the dance floor felt like a homage to Kira Knightley, Matthew McFadden's mm. dance. Oh god, don't even. Mm. <sighs> That's why we're not recording a commentary track because you just said that and we both went. <sighs> That's the best dance. Uh, I I I got I gotta tell you I I have lost count of the number of times I've watched that dance sequence. The music is like permanently imprinted on my head. Uh, oh, yeah, the 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 music. The oh, way they oh, stare oh, at each other at the end. Oh my god. Yes, yes, and they're doing that little kind of more, swirly around one another. More people should oh, fight during god. dancing. Like it's just hot. <laughs> oh, okay. Sorry, we digress. See, you mentioned that movie, and and we're gonna be here all year because we can't shut up. Anyway, despite the lengthy convo between <laughs> Anthony and Edwina about her love of reading, with whom does Anthony tenderly share his father's most treasured possessions in the library? Kate, of course. I feel bad for Edwina. She would have loved that library. Did she ever get to she go in? It? No, because she's pretending to be stupid so she can get a man. Anyway. I'm optimistic about the new showrunner Jess Brownell, knowing she was a writer of episode 8 and 4. It seems most viewers were underwhelmed with the season 2 side plots and the amount of time devoted to them, so I'm hopeful mm-hmm. the show will correct course in season 3. It has potential to be a killer, no filler, with Pollen, Anthony, and Francesca? <laughs> boom, boom, boom. Guys, guys, please don't get my hopes up. I feel like everyone's writing in like, Francesca! No, let's let's just go in with the minimum. Like the floor is where my expectations should be at. Okay, 
<laughs> that was from Laura from Denver, Colorado. I've really enjoyed your podcasts, as no one I know in real life is watching Bridgerton or reading the books. Or maybe it's just that they aren't admitting to it. That must be it. I've also enjoyed the comments other people have made on your Instagram posts. I've thought a lot about the differences between the book and this season, and I'm wondering what Michelle is expecting, because Rita and everyone else has commented on the departures. I would also like to hear Rita opine on whether or whether um, or works or not, whether it works or not. My personal opinion is, of course it works. The book and the TV show have different needs and rules, quote unquote. The one thing I have to get off my chest is that the Lady Whistledown stuff has gotten absolutely absurd. And I am really hoping she goes away and never comes back after season three. It will be interesting to see how Penelope lands this plane next season. But seriously, no more after Please. that. <laughs> yes. We're thank tired you. of this. I have a few. <laughs> yeah, I have a feeling it's going to have to come crashing down. Uh, by the end of season three. Um, do you think Benedict will be season four? And what do you think we'll see next season in getting him ready to finally launch? Probably enough questions. Thank you. And I look forward to the season recap and the treatment of the book. Christine. Thank, Thank you. you. I think I'll go into my feelings on the book versus the show in the season roundup because I haven't read the book in so long. Um, I want to reread it. And I hope Benedict will have a season. Do I want it to be season four? Question mark. I kind of think Eloise needs a season, to be honest. I'm at the point where I'm like, can we resolve these things so we can move on? <laughs> like, this feels like it needs resolution. Because if it's hanging on for, like, a few more seasons, I might not make it psychologically. Michelle. <laughs> 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 you know what I mean? I I do know what you mean. I do know what you mean. Yeah. And uh, next one. Uh, hi, Rita and Michelle. May I say I love, love, love your Bridgerton podcast, most especially your intense dissection of each episode. I eagerly look forward to these wonderful tidbits you share with us binge watchers, which oh, which us binge watchers overlook in our haste to view the entire season. It makes for a much more satisfying rewatch of the show, albeit at a slower pace. There's a lesson in delayed gratification there for me. Um, I wanted to add some trivia I recently discovered. You mentioned Polly Walker as Jane Fairfax in the 1996 adaptation of, of Emma. Coincidentally, Lorraine Ashbourne, who plays her housekeeper, Varley, was Mrs. Fairfax in the 2006 BBC version of oh, Jane Fairfax. Oh, God. I, knew I bet this. she's amazing. And this is part of why I loved Varley. I was like, this is perfect. Uh, <sighs> Mrs. Fairfax and Miss Jane Fairfax. Yes. Molly face. I love it. Anyway, uh -huh. we think I watch too much period dramas. There's no I, such thing. There's no such thing. You can't uh -uh. watch too many. They're not making enough, quite frankly, uh, because I yes. need more. Uh, I'm so <laughs> waiting on Tenderhooks for your book dissection podcast. Cannot wait. Kindest from your fan in Australia, Jade. Thank you, Jade. And also, Thanks, Jade. Like, love that we have an audience that can talk to us about 2006 Jane Eyre because that is the best one. We also did a podcast about that. Yeah, we did. Go go listen. Yes. Hello, lovely ladies. I have a few thoughts on this season, starting with an unpopular opinion that I'd like to share. I like season one better than season two. <gasps> <gasps> what? <laughs> I, I, know, I know, I know. But hear me out. I totally agree that the characters had more depth this season. But I think overall the plot worked better with season one. 
This season seemed to be inserting more drama for the sake of drama. For example, the love triangle did not need to be a thing, and yet they dragged it out across almost every episode in the season. Don't get me wrong, this show needs conflict. It thrives on it. But it seems like the writers were forcing in some scenes and storylines that didn't fit. They changed the focus of the story a lot, too, from the characters learning how to allow themselves happiness and grow their self-confidence to characters having to dig themselves out of a hole that kept getting deeper and deeper. At some point, I got bored and just wanted the tension to resolve. Season one seemed cleaner in that way to me. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Totally. Totally. Yeah, we. Totally. uh, We love you. Yes. Uh, I haven't read Kate and Anthony's book yet. Does that focus more on their character growth? Instead of the ton drama? Yep. If so, maybe I'll like it more. Yes. Just... Join us for book club. You're going to love yes! it. Yes. Uh, that being said, I love the Pal Mal scene. That's more of a popular opinion, but I really did love it. It encapsulated what I enjoy most about Bridgerton, the love story, the banter among characters, the bright color schemes and beautiful costumes, and of course, the dynamics, the dynamics of the Bridgerton siblings. The vibes were lighthearted and fun, and it was my favorite scene in the whole season, possibly in both seasons, although my heart always melts when Daphne and Simon dance and giggle with pure joy in the shock and delight episode. Thank you, Rita and Michelle, for accompanying me on another wonderful Bridgerton journey. I look forward to next season and beyond. Yours truly, Nicole from Connecticut. Thanks! Oh, P.S., I've heard a lot of people from Connecticut right in this season. Represent! <laughs> uh, I love that I've learned how to say Connecticut properly. Like, great. There you go. Emoji. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> next email. Hello, amazing women. I'm obsessed with your podcast. I found out about Ooh. it a couple weeks ago, and it's the best part of my drive to work every day. The traffic in LA is stupid and stressful, but you guys make my life better. By talking about my favorite show and being funny AF. You're welcome. Uh, <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> uh, you guys have amazing opinions and I agree with pretty much all of them. So you're clearly smart as well. Uh, yes. I'm a book reader like Rita. <laughs> I found out about the series when I was in high school a decade ago. This second season was my favorite because the book was one of my favorites. Is it just me or is this season way more romantic and delightful to watch than the last one? Well, you're going to have to have conversation with our previous email like you two can find it out in the comments um i think duke and i is kind of a boring book and the things daphne did make me so uncomfortable that i could not rewatch the season one again but now with Anthony, i am obsessed i watch it every day the story is so good (laughs) even though it's very different from the book now i have both and i'm very happy listening to what Mm -hmm. you guys commented on the episodes made me love the show even more how did I miss so many details before? You were binging, baby. Um, and the yes. B count, I love it. Thank you for the hard work. <laughs> I believe we all heard about season three being about Colin and Penelope. Their book is my favorite, but I'm not sure about Colin in the show. He acts like a boy, and I really want him to find out that Penelope heard him saying that he would never marry her. He needs to f- feel bad about it. I wanted to punch him in the books and in the show. No one should hurt my sweet Penelope. I heard you guys considered doing a sanitary podcast. Please do it. I'll be your number one fan. I have no one to talk about it, and it would be amazing to hear what you guys think. Anyway, sorry for the long email. I love your work. You're both amazing. 
<laughs> Love Karen <laughs> from LA. Um, thank you for calling us amazing like seven times. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, it's like I'm having a hard time holding my head up. Uh, <laughs> um, oh, God. Sanderton is definitely happening. Michelle was like very insistent that we do it. And then I watched the first episode of season two and I was like, yep, that's a good decision. Mm-hmm. Gotta watch it. So uh, be sure to check uh, our back catalog. We do have. Uh, season one up, uh, so feel free to give that a listen to 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 get prepped for it. Um, Brace yourself for how horny I was. I think I think about that like, a lot. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, Theo James. He was in leather trousers. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. It, it, oof. It, it was a thing, man. Okay. All right. Focus, Michelle. Hey, ladies. Hey, ladies. Sorry. Hey, ladies. Uh, I <laughs> I've really been enjoying your podcasts and have already begun my rewatch of the episodes followed by a re-listen of each post episode analysis. I agreed with you that with I agreed with what you said in the finale podcast about how they did too good a job at getting us invested in Kate and Anthony. I watched season one and enjoyed it, but I didn't find myself drawn to watching it again nor was I as invested in Daphne or Simon as much. I did wonder if the absence of Simon would be felt, and while I am sure that there could have been some great scenes with Simon, perhaps with him delivering some profound advice to Anthony, as we saw with Daphne and Anthony scenes, they did a great job keeping us focused on Kate and Anthony's story. So much so that I'm not sure what I will do with my time now that your season two podcast is coming to an end and there's no one else with whom I could spend hours over analyzing fictional, fictional characters with. Come watch Sanderton with us. Yay. Exactly. One thought I had about why they decided not to go with Benedict's story next is that it might be too much of a Cinderella story and not as appealing. However, every time the Cowpers were on screen, it gave me so much evil stepmother, stepsister vibes and wonder if they introduced Benedict's love interest as somehow being connected to the Cowpers somehow. Okay, I have some information that I have to drop down. uh, Season one, they released the shooting script for the pilot episode and one of the uh, characters on screen... um, Mm-hmm. Cressida's mother, who's not been given a full name yet, her name mm-hmm. was mentioned in the script, and it is the same name as the evil stepmother in Benedict's book. So, oh, ooh, I think they may have changed their minds since then because suddenly Cressida has a dad again. Um, he mm-hmm. appeared out of nowhere. Where was he in season one? So they may have completely wrote that back. <laughs> I think that's why you're getting evil stepmother, ah. stepsister vibes, because they created it in season one, and then are now like, oh, fuck, we're not going to do that now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, anyway, man. continue. Ooh. Okay. All right. Since we have to wait another year for season three, season three, make haste. And we've milked the overanalyzing of season two for all it's worth. I request the services of Rita the Clairvoyant. Rita, you've correctly predicted so many plot lines this season. I wanted to get yours and Michelle's thoughts on a few possible season three plot lines. I'll work 
look my magic. <laughs> what do you think Anthony's subplot story will be? There's always a need of some sort of scandal or conflict. Do you think they will show a bit of the Tun's reaction to the Anthony and Kate marriage, which I imagine was a small, intimate Aubrey Hall affair with Kate in traditional Indian attire, but this time the interruption is Newton running away with the rings because just like his mom, Anthony's vexed him to <laughs> vexed him to Newton. Oh, that's so cute. <laughs> or they might explore the challenges of Kate becoming Viscountess through her own trauma flashbacks. Anthony has been quite an authoritarian to date, so he might find it difficult doing things now as a partnership. I would love to see Eloise confide in Kate about the Penn situation and helping her find a way to understand Forgive Penn. Perhaps a callback to episode three and reminding Eloise about how they have all felt they were at the edge of society at some yeah. stage. That would be that would great. That would be beautiful. Um, it might make me like Eloise, because the most I liked Eloise was when she was with Kate. <laughs> yeah. The, the scene where they're on the, the there's like a the, the porch and Kate's made her tea. Yeah. I love that scene. That was beautiful. Scene. More um, of that, please. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, and, of course, some bonding between the Viscountesses <laughs> and, <laughs> and Kate being fully embraced as a part of the family after feeling so alone for so long. Imagine if we get a scene of Kate and Anthony going riding together in the countryside, <laughs> just being happy. They might end the season with Kate being pregnant with their first child and Anthony being too protective <laughs> over her. <laughs> okay, well, you've destroyed us. Thank you. We have, <laughs> we have to finish the podcast for now. <laughs> oh, this is, this is making the fanfic juices flow again. We'll see. Anyway, Pollen. I feel the writers need to perform a miracle uh -huh, with Colin, as right now, it's so hard for me to find him engaging and ready to be a romantic lead. Hey, they worked their magic on Anthony. They can do it to Colin. I have faith. Yes, indeed. Penn did some questionable things this season, but they have definitely set her up yep. as a complex character with room for growth. Yep. As a side... You've used the Batman Bruce Wayne <laughs> analogy to describe Penn Whistledown, but the way they completely blew things up for Penn in season two, it could easily be Penn's villain origin story in the Bridgerverse. Um, can I just say that it's very possible to fuck? Look, I have always used, viewed Batman as a villain. This is a vigilante, rich douchebag who comes along and beats up <laughs> a bunch of improv impoverished people in his community to make himself feel better about the trauma inflicted upon him as a child. I just go to therapy, Batman. Um, <coughs> sizzling hot Batman takes. That's what you come here for. Oh, you're killing me. You're killing me. Uh, let me see. Uh, there will undoubtedly be some angst. Some? When Colin <laughs> finds out about Penn being whistled at? Some? <laughs> um, oh my gosh. Yeah? Uh, just a bit. I hope he doesn't find out about, uh, find out through Eloise. Yeah. 
but it would be too unbelievable for him to figure it out on his own, given how clueless oh, he's been today. That's so... Ouch! Oh, poor Colin. I want to just, like, cuddle Colin up and protect him from this fandom sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> he's just beautiful and dumb. Leave my poor dumb husband alone. He's just a sweet... He's a sweet boy, isn't he? Uh, oh, my gosh. Uh, perhaps Eloise could be the one who helps Colin forgive Penn after they have made up themselves up um, and admit his true feelings for Penn. It would be a nice wrap up to the Colin Eloise Penn story for season three. Portia and the Bridgertons. Yes. What do you think Portia's feelings would be about uh, about Penn marrying into the Bridgerton family? East. In season two, we saw that Portia resented how her family was not seen as responsible as respectable as the Bridgertons by the Tom, but at the same time, perhaps begrudgingly, being very conscious about not getting on their bad side. Because she's smart. She is the some, smartest person uh-huh. on this show, everyone. Please. She's a, she's a, she's a crafty Everyone one. put some respect on Portia's name because she is outwitting everyone. She's playing 3D chess. Yes. <laughs> Indeed. Let's see. Uh, there seems to be some underlying jealousy towards the Bridgertons. Oh, yeah. Um, at one stage, she specifically told Jack to take everyone's money except the Bridgertons. It was only after Eloise's scandal that she gave Jack the green light, quite smugly, to close the deal with Colin. Also, she was basically gloating post-wedding scandal when she saw them at Promenade. Do you think she would be happy about one of her daughters marrying into the Bridgerton family? How would Portia and Violet get along as mother-in-laws? Oh, dear God. <laughs> like uh, I don't, I can't. I'm, I'm more excited about Portia joining the Bridgerton family than I am for Penelope. <laughs> this is like Portia's wildest dreams are coming through, and it's through the child she hates the most. It's hilarious. Exactly. It's exactly. delicious. She's gonna finally have to suck up. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Oh my gosh! Finally, if season four is going to be Eloise's season. How do you think they might set it up in season three? I felt they made efforts to include Sir Philip in season two. I should even not have though included that him. whole Maria Collin, even though that whole Marina Collin storyline could have been left out completely. Perhaps Eloise visits Marina <laughs> with the intent to tell her about Penn. Uh, Michelle, and stop while, reading! And while she, what, what, okay, what, look. what, what, what? Thank you, TP, for that beautiful email. We're not reading the rest of this for potential spoilers. Okay. Oh, okay. All right. I'm glad I I'm glad I was kind of not really Okay. Sorry, that was my bad. I should have redacted all of that. <laughs> okay. Hello, Rich from Michelle. Thanks so much for your podcast. I just wanted to write in to perhaps uh to perhaps add to your season two wrap up. Just heard you talk about the prospects of Daphne not being included next season because there's no Simon. You asked, what can you do? Well, they either have to get reggae back or they have to recast the role. You can't just get reggae back Whoa. against his will, sister. Whoa. Like, come on. He's, if he doesn't want to be there, he doesn't want to be there. You can't make him. Um, <laughs> I'm one of the fans of the show who loved the second season, but also believes the show greatly missed reggae. I won't compare the seasons, but I will say there would have been no interest in season two had season one not been so charismatic, in large part because of what reggae brought to the role of Simon Bassett and the Duke of Hastings. 
Agreed. 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 Um, they've proven they can do a great Absolutely. show without reggae, but they cannot, in my opinion, do so without the Duke and Daphne, the characters in subsequent seasons, especially when Anthony and Kate will return. It's time to recast if the original actor won't return, and they can't lose Phoebe. I'm hoping that's just not true. God, could you imagine the outcry if they recast him? Oh, oh, are you kidding? Shonda would not be able to leave her house. Like, her life would yeah. be in jeopardy. Um, yeah. Also, one other thing. On the decision to take the stories of the British and children out of order and centre on Colin and Penelope next season, I'm not a book reader, but I am a person who watched season one more times than I can count to survive the intensities of life during 2020 mm-hmm. and 2021. As that person, I say that the TV screenwriters have to find a way to combine some of the stories. For instance, Eloise was my favourite Bridgerton in season one. In season two, after watching her, I'm not good at society, I don't want to do this, mama, I'm not Daphne shtick. I was like, she's so rude to her mother grow up. (laughs) This is because, for me, who's watched season one umpteen times, it's tired. Same with Penelope's mealy-mouthed actions when she comes near colin <laughs> yeah she does Brutal, kind of devolve but... <laughs> she does kind of devolve into the <laughs> i'm like penelope can you just be yourself around him maybe exactly. you'd be attracted to that Ugh. exactly i penelope it's time to be yourself mm-hmm. um i don't think that ages or their characters can go on for eight season in status Combine Colin and Eloise's books. Combine Benedict with Francesca's. No, thank you! No, 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 we are not. No, thank you! We're not putting my least favourite book with my favourite book. No! Anyway, uh, combine the, the littles, Gregory and Hyacinth, with that work. Thank you again, Tammy. It might work. I don't want yeah. it. Please keep Benedict and Francesca far apart. Thank you. Also, I think we need time for Gregory and Hyacinth to grow yeah. up. Yeah, yeah. They are still, they are still we, even though they, they did seem to make a, a pretty big leap, uh, between the two seasons. Um, they've still got a long way to go. We don't want to watch them having sex every No! Come on. No, no, they're babies. They're babies. Let's see. Hi, ladies. Thanks for this season of podcast episodes. I'm already worried. What are we going to do once you're done done with all the summary and book club? The thought upsets me almost as <laughs> the thought upsets me almost as much as the end of actual Bridgerton seasons. Uh, now and smiley face emoji. Um, now that you watch the whole season and there are no spoilers, I wanted to share some overall impressions of Canthony's season. On the first watch of this season, I must admit I was very disappointed. I felt such disappointment at how utterly different the season was. While we all expected a different couple and were ready for this season to be different in that way, season one was something that could be described as modern and steamy take at the Regency era. Season two, I'd describe as a modern and needless drama-infused take at the Regency era. (laughs) (laughs) Well, don't hold back. (laughs) Yes. Um, I just cannot get over the fact that we didn't get to explore Kate and Anthony's relationship and that... um, In true, and they lived happily ever after fashion, the two characters get together exactly five minutes before credits of the last episode start rolling, which is just not enough time. Agreed. Add to that, in my opinion, they took this whole triangle way too far with Edwina and Anthony, only breaking up after already standing at the altar together. Agreed. 
admittedly, I don't have a sister, but realizing that you're at the altar with a guy your sister is actually in love with surely is in the region of, I might never talk to you again kind of a move. Yeah. (laughs) Yep. Uh, Kate had every opportunity to tell Edwina at so many earlier steps. And in fact, in episode four at the end, after she has a talk with Lady Danbury, who says, tell her how you feel about the Viscount. And then Kate says to Edwina that she needs to tell her something. I took this to mean that Kate intended to tell Edwina how confused she was feeling about her own feelings towards the Viscount. So the fact that she got interrupted in the moment does not actually excuse why she didn't tell Edwina later. Nope. It's a toxic lie. (laughs) Yeah. It's a toxic lie that I wouldn't be so quick to forgive, even if there was an accident of said sisters afterwards. In my opinion, this season approaches the betrayal and lying by lie of omission and taking it so freaking far that we all end up at the altar in such a normalized way, we might forget to stop and think for a moment of the fact that Kate never actually told Edwina of her feelings. While at uh, Aubrey Hall, she was about to talk to her, so we can't really put it down to Kate was just lying to herself lying. The show tried to sell us later. Kate never comes clean of her own accord, and it's Edwina that finally realizes what's going on. But we can move on from that without, in my opinion, a satisfying resolution. Just like with that Daphne scene. I mean, I agree with all of this, but this is another flaw of having the wedding episode drag out for so long they needed more time spent on this but they spent Mm -hmm. it on edwina running around going i'm gonna make my choice eventually yes yes i much prefer the book set up for edwina never really getting far with anthony and kate getting together with anthony way sooner in order to explore their relationship while they were already together meanwhile What we got was a drama deserving of Grey's Anatomy, which, don't get me wrong, I love and watch every week. But that's where I often find myself shouting at the screen, just tell him already! (laughs) And much like in Grey's, which admittedly both originate from Shondaland, the whole concept of drama is based on one person not saying something that she clearly should have said and communicated, if not with Anthony, then definitely with Edwina. All in all, I will be rewatching this season, but the fact we don't get enough Kate and Anthony together coupled with a hint of bad taste that leaves, that it leaves in my mouth and mind to watch how far they took the whole triangle thing leaves me still a bit disappointed. It was not, it was just not what I was expecting. And yes, I heard you say both Kate and Anthony's characters are coming back. I don't trust the showrunners to keep exploring and showing us this relationship develop enough while it will be someone else's season. Those instincts instincts are something that I agree with. with Yeah. 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 I am very much looking forward to hear any thoughts you have on comparing season one and two, particularly since you get a chance to rewatch them back to back. And I am wondering what approach the creators will take on season three. I know as creators, they are put basically between a rock and a hard place because no matter what they do, someone, somebody won't like it. Uh, so I appreciate that. And at the same time, I'm hoping that the next season, Colin and Penelope will not get together five minutes before the credits roll. 
Let me be clear, not even 15 minutes before the credits will do. If I dare to dream, I would like to see them together for a few episodes so that we can walk away from the cliche of, and they lived happily ever after, and stay clear of not showing the relationship itself after the I do. That's my wish. What's yours, dear ladies? I, uh, if you could wish for something for season three, what would it be? Sending warm hugs, Kat from Warsaw, Poland. Thank you. Um, Michelle, what's your wish? Hmm? What is your wish? wish? Um... My wish is for them to think long and hard about how they're going to wind up getting us through this storyline. I don't want it. I, I I don't want them to do, to to do a disservice to it. You know what I mean? You don't want them to fumble the landing like they did with the Daphne no. and the not the, yeah. the Edwina and um, Kate thing. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's like, yeah, they've got a mess that they've got to clean up. But, you know, don't throw in a whole bunch of um, nonsensical bullshit. Um, let's, you know, focus on how you're going to navigate these folks through these betrayals that have happened. Um, and then, you know, once you've built that structure... Then play around with whatever side stories you want to do, but make sure that you've got that really well structured um, before you start throwing in, you know, more drama that we really don't need. I hear that, but then I'm like, the structural problems, that's not a failure of the side plots. I don't think that that is the reason they didn't have enough time to resolve that. I think it's just a structural problem of the show that they wait until like the end of the season to have this big conflict when it needs more episodes to resolve. Like they needed to have the Daphne Simon betrayal like resolve earlier in the episode because it felt very much like we're having a ball and now we're okay. Um <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's a problem with the central storyline that they need to address. Because it's happened two seasons in a row now and they need to, like, focus on how you're going to structure your storylines better and don't have it rushed at the end. Um, My my wish for season three is that Lady Whistledown is exposed and we don't have to have Lady Whistledown in season four. I want it to end. Yes! I want it to end. I'm tired of... Yes! I'm tired of the storyline, but I'm also tired of how this show is now framed in um publicity is like the lady whistledown show when it's like no actually it's supposed to be about the bridgerton siblings actually thank you um <laughs> it's not just all about a gossip rag like can we can we stop trying to frame it as gossip girl like it was a cute way to get people interested in season one but it was just a hook and it's now taken over the whole of the show yeah yeah anyway next yeah. One said, mm-hmm. hi ladies, I've loved, loved, loved this season of Bridgerton, I really enjoyed season one, but it didn't cause the same level of obsession season two did. I swear it broke Netflix's viewing records because people like me kept re-watching almost daily for weeks after it was released. The chemistry between <laughs> the two main characters is incredible, they were obviously beautiful to look at, but it was more than that. Their interactions were always so charged, it was a very compelling viewing. The slow burn across the episodes was infuriating, but also strangely rewarding. Their story completely overshadowed the other subplots, at least it did for me, 
and I'm now worried that I won't really care about pollen in the next season. I'll just be watching out for Kate and Anthony's scenes, even if they're just in the background. I'll be looking out for Newton, <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> yes. I know you ladies don't have much time for Benedict, but I found him quite funny this season. In episode four, I love how his face breaks into massive grins whilst watching Anthony's reaction when Kate says, why would you assume I had any trouble managing my lord? His pure joy at seeing his <laughs> older brother, Mr. Nodal himself, floundering and flustered by Kate's words. And then he immediately <laughs> serious again the moment Anthony turns to him in disbelief. He's fantastic. I want him to find his happiness. I really hope that they introduce Redacted! Redacted! <laughs> I'm not, I, I didn't, I, I, I slammed my eyes shut. Don't think this is much of a spoiler for Michelle Benedict's love interest is called Redacted. I mean, obviously, the name of the love interest isn't that big of a deal because um, she hasn't been introduced yet. Uh, but I still don't want you to know because <laughs> I'm annoying. I don't, I, I, you are, you, you tell me when it's safe. It's safe. I was so moved by Kate and Anthony's okay. final dance at the Featherington Ball. Her eyes were so expressive. At that moment, they both truly thought that was it. She's going to leave for India. They might very well never see each other again. It was so poignant and beautifully portrayed by both actors. All hail the Queen for mentioning her nephew. Uh, I didn't see that coming, <laughs> and it really enjoyed the sulky look on Cressida's face. <laughs> I texted you when that scene happened, like, oh my god! <laughs> oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I just wanted to say, yes. for those of you guys that watch Derry Girls, did you know that Kieran, the guy that works in the Photoshop and also is in a few episodes of season three, um, he's in fact the actor that played awful Nigel Burbrick in season <laughs> one. Well, this is a spoiler, but I, shh, this isn't a Derry Girls <laughs> podcast. Um, Kieran got engaged no. to Aunt Sarah accidentally <laughs> in um, season uh, three of Derry Girls and I was like, this is two separate shows where he's presumed he's engaged to someone. <laughs> oh, this poor actor. Uh, I was trying to figure out why he was he was familiar, and when I looked him up, I was floored. I just assumed the actor was English, but no, he's from County Waterford in Ireland. These people are so talented with their accents. Also, he's not the only Derry yeah. Girls crossover. Theo, uh, the actor that plays Theo, he was in mm-hmm. season two of Derry Girls. Um, he stood oh, wow. up Erin, little bitch. <laughs> they were going to go to prom together and he said he'd go with her and then he never showed up. Like, what classic Theo move, oh. you know. <laughs> anyway, everyone watch Derry Girls. It's one of the best shows. Um, ladies, thank you so much for your podcast. It's been so wonderful to have like-minded people chatting about a show I love. And I'm including all the other people who've written in with their emails in this too. You've been a tonic to me each week and I don't know what I'm going to listen to on my drive to work now. I really wish I could watch Sanderton in Ireland, but I don't get ITV. I may have to go old school and buy the DVD box set whenever it's out. Um, <laughs> apologies, this email is a little over the, pl- <laughs> all over the place. Take care and look forward to listening to whatever you decide to podcast about next. All the best. Mary from Ireland. Thank you, Mary. Um, heads awesome. up about Sanderton. Thank you, Mary. Um, it's not on ITV anyway. You have to get BritBox, the little channel on um, uh, Amazon Prime to watch it. Ah, it's okay. Yeah, ITV cancelled it and it was picked up by BritBox. Okay. Ladies, first off, thank you. Uh, I may enjoy your recaps even more than the episodes themselves. 
<laughs> that's, wow. that's insane to me, but okay. <laughs> I am very hopeful there will be plenty of sexy Canthony next season. Jess Browell, uh, Brownwell wrote episode eight, and she's taking over as showrunner for seasons three and four. She seems very invested in this couple, and I am desperate to see more. It was nice to see all three of the moms uh, step up in episode eight. Portia, Mary, and Violet finally take the reins. I wonder if they would have ever gotten there if Violet hadn't opened up finally. You are a million percent correct. Episode six, Edwina chose herself. Episode seven, Anthony chose Kate. And happily, in episode eight, Kate chose Anthony. And the people rejoiced. Huzzah! Yes. My question is, where do you think they go for six months on their honeymoon? I am a crazy person and did a deep dive. They couldn't have gone to India. It took six months one way during Regency period, having to travel all the way around No Suez Canal yet. Uh, and if they went to the continent, the Napoleonic Wars were afoot. Weren't we just talking about this? Yeah. <laughs> This, I love that wow. these are our people. They also notice yes, this shit. Yes, they are. Yes, they are. Um, dying to know what you think. Um, I am so glad the series moved away from the book with Kate thinking she wasn't beautiful and Anthony obsessed about his early death. Um, Johnny and Simone are so popular. I am trusting they will be right up there next season. We all deserve it. You ladies killed it all season and I am just going to have to rewatch it and re-listen to your podcast over and over again. They start filming again on June 6th, and I am here for it. Cheers, Aaron in California. Thank Yay! Thanks, uh, Thank you. Um, and yeah, literally, uh, we were talking about the fact that, uh, uh, trying to speculate where they had gone on their honeymoon and, and came to the same conclusions that you did. We have another <laughs> email about that later on, by the way. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, Dear Rita and Michelle, this is my first time writing to a podcast host, Smelly Face. I loved listening to yours these last few weeks and wanted to reach out and first say thanks for your fun commentary and episode analysis. I binged season two when it came out, like so much more than the first. Felt like a different show. And discovering your podcast gave me a good excuse to rewatch all the episodes. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. I finished listening to your last one and agree on all points. Yay to mums coming through for their emotionally damaged kids. And yay for Penelope standing up to Eloise. Yay for Canthony, though I would have loved seeing more of them after their big declaration. The ending felt a little rushed. Wonder if Edwina was a bridesmaid at their wedding. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> oh my lord. That would, no. <laughs> I would, I, that would be a bridge too far. Oh, Edwina deserves be better than that. Oh, poor Edwina. Yeah. yeah. Um, too soon. Too soon. I'm looking forward to season <laughs> three, though. I wonder how they'll deal with the whole Eloise knows who Lady Whistledown is plot. I guess she'll be the one to tell Colin, and he's so oblivious to Penelope as she was the last two, as he was in the last two seasons. Or it'll probably take five episodes and a botch wedding for him to get the gist. <laughs> Winky face. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you joke, oh, but it Lord. could happen. Um, yeah, I'm personally rooting for a Penelope Portia partnership at the beginning of season three, where Pen would let her in on her side hustle to help out the family financially, and also to capitalize on Portia's great resentment towards the ton and get a few more juicy stories to the 
to tell. I would love that. And I think people underestimate yeah. how similar Penelope and Portia are as people. It's why I love them both. Mm-hmm. They're both sneaky bitches. And I, I love that. Um, <laughs> I'm also hoping Benedict becomes the Ton's new therapist, <laughs> as it could make for some fun viewing. <laughs> I'm basing this off the studio space a la King's speech at the end of the last episode. Or anything else, really. Let's give the man something to do. Please, could we give him a storyline? Yes. Uh, yes. This is way longer than I had anticipated. Sorry, thanks again for letting us participate in your discussions about the show. Take care, Margot. I love when people apologise for how long their emails are. I usually some of the shorter ones. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you, Margot. Uh, hi, Rita and Michelle. I discovered your podcast only at the beginning of season two of Bridgerton, and it is by far the best podcast on Bridgerton there is. <laughs> if we do say, say so ourselves. Wink, wink. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I really like listening to your opinions and often agree with them completely. However, as I just finished your most recent episode, there's something about Cantonese honeymoon you might not have considered. Although there is no de- definitive timeline for the show, Napoleon was first de- defeated in spring 1814 and only got back to France in March 1815. Yeah. So it could have been absolutely possible for them to honeymoon at the continent as the war had paused. <laughs> um, I already look forward to your next podcast. All the best from Austria, Elizabeth. Thank you, Elizabeth. Thank you. And I was immediately like, after we posted the last podcast where we discussed this i was like oh but Mm -hmm. what about that time he was on that fucking island and you are correct yes elba elba yes he was in elba but the thing is like (laughs) the pause of the war was for like basically when they were away so maybe but also would you go to the continent during like it's like if they announced ukraine was suddenly not at war anymore would you be like you know what let's go pop down to kiev and just have a good stroll around probably not probably not it doesn't make any actual Mm-mm. fucking sense does it one of the other things that annoys no. me okay this is a very deep dive um but for the british in season two they had like a fake name the production would use because they couldn't say hey everyone bring your trucks trucks down to bridgerton set so they had like a fake name they operated under Uh, Um, and that name was waterloo by the way i found out that name on the first day of shooting so your shit code name by the way and i was like (laughs) you're not that sneaky as you think you are also i was like that's (laughs) annoying me <clears throat> this season is set in 1814 and Waterloo famously doesn't happen until 1815. So the entire season I was like twitching. Like, oh, I want to correct them. I want to correct them. Why have they chosen this name? <laughs> oh, so that's God. your Napoleon adjacent podcast facts. Um, there we go. Up, we there finally we go. reached our last. Our last email. Thank you for everyone who stuck around. Last email. Oh my gosh. Hey ladies. I can't believe we're here. I really enjoyed your podcast. Thank you so much for your inbox segment. It's so great listening to everyone's thoughts and emails about the show this season. Since this is the end of the season, I've been trying to think about why I enjoy the show so much. Yes, it's easy to get lost in the grandeur of Bridgerton, the elaborate and massive locations, the beautiful balls and the ornate costumes. 
it's a feast for the eyes, but why are so many of us into the show and invested in these characters? I mean, there's no other show that I write emails to a fan-created podcast about. (laughs) (laughs) I know this season you have been spending a lot of time on the themes of the show, identity, duty, and legacy, but I also think one major theme is trauma. Trauma is a very human experience and something most of us have encountered at some point in our lives, and it's something that is shared by a majority of the characters. But it's through the passage of time and the love that the characters have and develop for each other that their scars are able to heal and they're able to live with their traumas. I think for me at least, this is what resonates. Even though this is a fictionalised world, Shundaland has been able to use the blueprint from Julia Quinn and develop these fully formed characters who can who make very realistic, very human decisions, which allow the viewer to empathise with them and hope that they're happy endings. Uh, given the current climate and everything that's going on in our world, to see these characters find love and find a happy ending is very satisfying. Speaking of growth from trauma, I wanted to take a moment and talk about Lady Violet. I know she's not your favourite person this season, but I'm going to try to defend her. The big complaint is that she doesn't show or doesn't say what the characters always need to hear, but I think that humanises her as a mother. She's been the one from the beginning pushing for her children's happiness. She wants them to know the kind of love that she had with Edmund, and had Anthony shown more some semblance of happiness for his decision to marry Edwina, I think she would have been content, but ultimately she knew her son was not happy. She doesn't always get it right all the time, but when it counts the most, she comes through. This is evident in the final scene they have together when she tells Anthony that Kate is awake. I think she can see herself in Anthony at that moment as their emotions come out over the potential loss of Kate. It reminds her of the loss that she felt for Edmund. The love they shared together outweighed any pain she may have felt and she ultimately gives him the courage to open up his heart to Kate. I think it's so interesting how Daphne and Anthony initially saw their parents' love and marriage. Daphne saw the love between Edmund and Violet as an example of something to strive for in her own marriage. However, Anthony, he saw the opposite, that the love his mother and father shared as a weakness. It's been a journey to see these characters grow and evolve. I can't wait to see what Pollen has in store for us next season. I can't wait to hear the podcast. Hoping you guys will do a commentary for season two as well. From Jennifer. Oh, Jennifer, that was a beautiful put. And almost made me like Violet. It really was. Like how beautiful that was. Yeah. I I really liked Violet by the the end of the series. Um, Related related to, you know, her, the depth of her grief, um, very, very much on a a visceral level. Um, And so the scene where... um, she comes to tell Anthony that Kate uh, has woken up um, uh, was really incredibly moving um, to see her t- speak about what she experienced. And um, yeah, that was, that was great. I think why I love that scene is it was the first time she spoke about the loss of Edmund where it wasn't mm-hmm. centered on herself. Like she mm-hmm. acknowledged that other people went through the trauma with her. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. sometimes when these things happen, you can sort of just, as a coping mechanism, you can become quite self-centered. And it's like, 
absolutely. It's like, I know I criticize Violet. I th- don't think she's a very good mother, but I think she has excellent reasons to not be yeah. a good mother. And it's like, she's, a, she's, a, she's that's just a life, very, though, isn't it? It makes her an yeah, interesting I mean, character. She, she is but. very human. Um, and, you know, when, when you are going through, um, uh, a grief like that, I've never lost a, a spouse or partner, but I, I, and I know I've spoken about, uh, having lost my mom. Uh, you do become very focused because you get you get blinders on, you get tunnel vision, and you can't. It's hard to focus on anything beyond your pain. Um, and uh, so you know, I think that the 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 scene that that we're speaking of, um, you know, she. I'm guessing that she's maybe come to terms with the fact that others. We're hurting as well, but I don't think that she had been able to articulate it until that moment. Um, yeah, I think m- my struggle with Violet is not so much that she went through those emotions or that she struggles to articulate it. It's like the timing yeah. is obviously a result of the writers. Yeah. So it's really more of a frustration with the there writers. There we go. Like, I've had my breakthrough, everyone. Thanks for yes. sitting through yes. like 20 hours of therapy with me. It's like, it's just the sheer timing of it having to be in the last episode yeah. where she finally is able to make this connection. Yeah. When he's been desperate from it to have this yeah. conversation for years. I'm like, why? <laughs> why now? <sighs> when there's like, yeah. 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 Mm. Anyway. Okay, guys. Well, <laughs> that's that's <laughs> enough from us. That that should keep you happy for the next two weeks. I hope. Um, <laughs> um, Don't come in my DMs. I'm so <laughs> tired, everyone. <laughs> uh, we will be back in two weeks uh, with our book club podcast. Um, until then, you can follow us on social media. We are at In the Books Network on Instagram and Twitter. And if you have any thoughts on the Viscount who loved me. Uh, that you want to share um, uh, uh, via email, then send us an email at inthebooksnetwork at gmail.com. And remember to subscribe, rate, and review because it really helps us. So until next time, bye. Bye. Everything that I meant in a minute or less When I called to confess and make all of my stresses go bye-bye Did you get my message? You didn't like guess Cause if you did you would have called me with your sweet intent And we could give it a rest Get a beating our breast And making all of the pressure go sky high Do you ever wonder what happens to the words that we send? Do they bend or they break from the flight that they take And come back together again with a whole new meaning and a brand new sense Completely unrelated to the one I sent Did you get my message? Ooh Or did you get my message? Or did you get my message? Yeah Ooh Uh-oh 
I passed your phone and flown right out of the window Oh well, how can I tell? Should I call the operator? Or maybe she know the info Or with her own eyes If my message you got was too much or a lot to reply Well I tried this for a fact Well should you ever come back? I'd relax and be relieved of all my panic attacks Everything that I'm in Now the moment has passed Not much sand in the glass And I'm standing to lose my mind Do you ever wonder What happens to the words that we send Do they bend, do they break From the flight that they take And come back together again With a whole new meaning To the matter of our love's defense At least be sympathetic To the time I spend Did you get my message? Ooh. 